Faith, love, truth, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life, arming you with the truth and the mindset to lead courageously in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of GLE. Today, we got a dynamite interview for you. Before we get in, big thank you to all the loyal followers and listeners of GLE. We've got all the social medias getting tens of thousands of impressions monthly, heading to hundreds of thousands, on the way to millions and beyond. If you don't follow us on social, go to goleadeverything.com. You can get to all my socials there. Give us a follow. Go to all the different podcast platforms, rate it, review it, share it out. You know, the GLE Network is continuing to expand to find faithful, loving, truthful, courageous leaders around the world. So as you go, lead everything and share the show. Today, I am really pumped for my conversation with a speaker, trainer, event producer. She is the executive managing director of the eWomen Network, CEO and founder of Academy for Speakers the owner of Caruso Signature Events, and she is an absolute go-getter. I am thrilled for my conversation today with Tony Caruso. Welcome to GLE. It's so exciting. I'm pumped to be here. (laughs) Glad to have you. So this is Tony in my first conversation. I love these because it makes for a really fun, organic, who knows where we're going to go type of show. So stay in tune for this one. Tony, How did you get into this event management, public speaking world? What's what's your story? (laughs) It all started July 30th. um, I was born and I truly believe that I'm an eventaholic. And I think I was born that way. Um, My birthday is midsummer. So in days of no email and no Um, room moms and that type of thing growing up and having your birthday in the summer nobody attended your party other than the kids that were on your block Mm -hmm. sister and brother had October and April birthdays and have these huge parties and I've had the five guys that would come over and swim in the backyard come over and swim on my birthday and bring presents and we'd have cake you know so I started at a very young age trying to get myself a great birthday party you know yeah so it kind of started with organization then, then got into high school, and then you get into the corporate world, and I become the go-to person for all the meetings and Christmas parties and, you know, events and stuff. And so I've just learned that that skill of event planning from birth kind of took me into a corporate world, and then fast forward to stay-at-home mom and head of the PTA and fundraising chair for every single thing they did at school. You know, I thought, well, I could actually do this myself. So I opened my own business, became an entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. built signature events. And it was going strong, doing great. Everything's wonderful. Six figures, having the time of my life in 2020. And every event just went in the toilet. And so I got very depressed and sat on the couch and drank wine and and ended up having a one-on-one with Sandra Yancey, who's the CEO of eWomen Network. And I said, I don't like doing this virtual events. I hate them. I want to get back live in the room. What do I do in the meantime? And she said, well, why don't you start a coaching program? 
And that's where the Academy for Speakers came from. Is awesome. Speakers on the business of speaking. And that brought me to Dallas, where I'm now the executive director of the eWomen Speakers Network. So long story short, that was my journey. Yeah, that is super, super cool. You know, I, I'm impressed. I'm always impressed when I hear entrepreneurs and how they pivot, right? Like COVID was just an extremely unpredictable and, you know, no one could have possibly, well, even though they kind of told us it was coming for 20 years, no one yeah. would have really understood what to expect from an event like that. Cause we, you know, we hadn't really experienced anything that global and in, in form of a shutdown before. So, you know, kudos to you for pivoting and doing what it takes. You know, some people just aren't, you know, they're not uh, willing to, to do that. They're not willing to do that. I don't think you were the only one drinking wine over COVID either there, Tony. Yeah. I, I had the COVID 15 or 20 pounds, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mine was closer to 30. That was not fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, you know, I'm I'm reminded of you know going to corporate type events. Sometimes it seems like they're like almost an afterthought, or or those planning some of the corporate events, depending on what you're talking about. You know, it, it's almost like it it becomes part of like a, a side job for for you know mid-level management to also be like event planners kind of or pseudo event planners. Have you seen that? And you know, how can we how can we put on better events for for our teams? Well I think a lot of it is um when I did it, there wasn't a event planner college degree. Mm -hmm. It's like a you fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing. So you just kind of learn as you went. But the goal with all the corporate work I did. And that was in banking. That was in healthcare. I mean, which are dry, not really fun topics anyway. Um, they, they were more interested in selling their products or doing their customers. Now, let me say when I did work for city national bank, they also funded, um, their largest, um, group was the entertainment group. So we put on a lot of, um, parties for private showings of movies and stuff. So those were fun. But then on the other side, there was the CPAs and the bookkeepers, and we do the um, continuing education unit kind of meetings. For yeah. um, so it, it really depends on what the corporation is looking for. And usually what's the bottom line? What are we getting out of it? How much money are we going to make in it on the back end? There right. were a cost, whereas your entrepreneur is like, well, let's just have a good time. Let's have an engaging group of people come together. They're a lot more fun, higher energy, lots more music, mm -hmm. it's fun. And they are going to be selling from the stage and they know their ROI. So they know, okay, if I can get 200 people in the room and close 25% of it, I'm going to make this much money and it's going to cover my cost. It's a whole thing. It's a different way of looking at the business of events. Yeah. That answers it's really that. interesting. You know, if I really think leaders of, of organizations, if they don't already, you know, they, they need to almost shift their mindset to realize like they're selling that culture that, you know, they, they're putting on sort of a, a salesy type event too, in that they're, you know, they're selling a feeling, they're selling a, an ideal, they're selling a culture to their people from stage. Am I way off there? Or how can, how can people improve sort of their mindset as, as leaders. Do you have any comments on that? Well, I believe that it all comes down to stories. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to what's your story. 
What do you believe in? What are your values? And if you can resonate in speaking to an audience mm-hmm. by stories, people remember them, number one. They're not going to remember facts and figures. But if you remember a story that someone told, I was just on a call earlier today with Maggie Cook, mm-hmm. who is a millionaire. And oh, wow. she she literally went from poverty in an orphanage to making a salsa, selling her salsa for $231 million. That's awesome. She's done it all. And she gets on stage and she tells her story. And I was, I hadn't heard her story for like four years. And I'm telling her back to her. I go, oh, I remember when you talked about the block of wood under your foot when you're trying to drive the truck up the hill to get the salt. And she looked at me and I go, stories are remembered. And if your stories are impactful, especially as a leader, mm-hmm. and you tell people where you came from, and a heartfelt story and be authentic on stage. Mm-hmm. People resonate with that. And they're like, I want to be a part of their mission, whatever it is, because I believe what they're doing and I resonate with them. Mm-hmm. But when you come on and you've got that salesy feel and it's mm-hmm. he's out there and he's like, hey, I'm Joe. And you know, he's got that whole salesy feel to him. Right. You turn your audience off. You know, I always tell people. Nobody knows what you're going to say in your speech. I mean, do you hand it out to everyone beforehand? I said, so you can say whatever you want. But let me tell you, when you make mistakes, that makes you real, makes uh-huh. you authentic. Don't gloss over them. Go, hey, minute, I'm having a brain fart here. Or, oh, my God, senior moment happening. Give me a second. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and people are like, oh, I like them because they don't take themselves so seriously. I love that. I, I just posted on that recently. I'm kind of a student of stand-up comedy. I don't know if you like stand-up comedy or not, but I I feel like taking notes. I grew up learning music. My parents were music teachers. Uh, my mom was a music teacher. My dad was raised by music teachers, and they may, they force us into music. So we're taught in music. You may know this. Are, are you musical? Uh, my mother was a nightclub singer, and oh, was wow. a, so I was brought up in family but nice 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 so you may know you know if you're you're playing music with other people you know you got to keep the rhythm and keep the beat and you mess up you just keep going right and so that was kind of the mindset i was trained like a performance mindset of you memorize the music and you perform it and if you make a mistake you just skip over it which like you were just saying that's that's like one of the worst things you can do if you want to be authentic and and you're up speaking is to just try to gloss over a mistake because everyone saw it Right. It's, it's so a just own it up, you, own it and just go, right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's yeah. such good advice. So, well, and it's bringing up music. It's when you are standing on stage and you're telling a story or you're speaking, it is like a song. It's like a melody. You're taking the audience on this journey and you're like, maybe it's like, Oh my gosh, I walked up to the door and it was unlocked and I unlocked my house and I opened the door and everything in there's gone. Mm-hmm. There's a note on the door saying my husband has left me and I've taken everything, you know, F you see you later kind of thing. And I was at this low and I went down and I went down and da, da. but then I learned how I could stand on my feet and I could go. Now here's your chorus. Now I'm going and right. I'm making it. And now I can help you through your divorce. See how that means you taking their story and take them on a heartbreak and show them been through what they've been through. Mm-hmm. Haven't you sat there and you somebody's saying, oh, I can help you do this and I can help you do this. And you're like, yeah, but 
you actually know what I went through when I my life. Have you been through it with me? Oh, you have? Now you understand me. Now I want to work with you because you understand the struggles that I'm going through right now. Mm -hmm. Where it's just, that's why it's very hard for these young kids getting out of college and they're trying to be um, financial advisors. And as a woman uh, over 50 and I've got money, am I going to get it to a 25 year old? You know, yeah, you're a financial, you know what to do with my money. So it's, it's that kind of thing. You have to find where you resonate, who your ideal clients are, and make sure you're talking to your ideal clients, no matter right. what you're in. You're talking to that one person that you know is going to resonate with your story because then everyone else in the room will as well. I love that. Have you ever heard of a guy named Chris Voss? I know that name. Yes. I don't know he why. Wrote a, he wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. He's the FBI negotiator guy. Oh, yeah. I just heard about him. Yeah. Notes because someone told me about his book. I was going to read it. So I love, I highly recommend his book. If you haven't read it, highly recommend it. Life changing sort of book. But he, he, he talks about the, what he calls tactical empathy. Right. And it's when you can actually demonstrate an understanding of what another person went through. Right. To that person. So they actually feel what you just described. Like, you know, I feel like this person gets what I'm talking about and I feel heard. Right. right. And and there's ways you can actually demonstrate that through labeling what they're going through. You know, it seems like you feel like this. It, you know, it sounds like you're thinking this. Um, and he, he talks about what, what he calls it accusations audit, which is where like, if you're a young 25 year old and you're advising a, you know, an, a, a more, uh, experienced individual who might have more money than you, you know, you could go ahead and before they could even say it, or, you know, they're thinking it say, Hey, you know, you probably think I'm just a young kid who doesn't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I don't have a lot of money, whatever. And, and you, you know, you, you preamble, you, you get in front of some of those things that they're thinking. And it's kind of the Eminem and eight mile philosophy of, you don't have anything else bad to say about me. Cause I already know what you're going to say. Right? right. So super interesting. It's book. like, Oh, good, because I, I will absolutely read it. Um, it's like when you're trying, when I tell people that you're seeding from stage and because you're going to be selling at the end. And right. what you do is like, what are the objections that your clients say? Right. I don't have money. I don't have enough time. I've just bought too much stuff. I'm overwhelmed. You know, whatever. I need to have my husband say it's okay. Whatever those are. And if you address those in your talk, right. through, you're already talking to their objections and they're like, Oh yeah, well, that's not going to go. Oh, that was a, like, Oh my, well, I'll even call your husband, you know, in the end, but whatever it is, you know, figure out what those objections are that your clients usually say like, well, I don't have enough time for this. And you say, take a lot of time. You can just yeah. do 15 minutes a day to um, a message from me or whatever, you know, what that is that you're selling or service you're providing. Um, show them that it's not going to take a lot of time because if you say this six week program is a highly intensive program and you're going to have to like get in there and work hard, you know, and you're <laughs> I got, I've got three kids, right, got, right. got a job. I don't have time for this. Mm -hmm. Turning yeah, those, off, that's the first objection in their head. And they just be like, Oh yeah, I can't work with them. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice, Tony. So if y'all aren't following Tony, you gotta go follow her. Tony T O N I Caruso C A R U S O on LinkedIn. You can go to the eWomenNetwork.com. 
to learn more about the E-Women Network. You got some events coming up here too, the Speakonomics events or something like that? Well, we believe that um, everybody's a speaker, whether you're speaking one-on-one or one-to-many. But there is a a business to speaking that you need to know about, need to understand how to do your message clarity and be very concise so that, you know, when people say, oh, what do you do? Um, you don't go on and on and on for 10 minutes and people still go, I have no idea what she does. <laughs> you do in 11 words or less, right. uh, people to go, Ooh, I want to learn more. So mm-hmm. we're today workshop. Uh, the first one is in Denver on March 10th and 11th. Second one is in Orange County, actually Laguna Beach on April 6th and 7th. And then the last one is here in Dallas on April the 27th and 28th. And we are going to cover everything you need to know to build your business using stages big and small, whether you're speaking on a phone, on a Zoom, or whether you're in front of a 50, 60 people, we're gonna show you how to maximize your impact, monetize your message, and build your community on stages. Because they're- Awesome. You don't know what you don't know. So we're gonna help you. Very cool. So if you wanna learn more about that, speakonomics, speakonomics.net. Net. And you can learn more about those events coming up. Super exciting. So Tony, I uh, I got to ask you because my wife and I have been thinking about you know event spaces and we we invest here and there in real estate and you know I'm really intrigued by short term rental sort of investments and you know wedding venues are are a type of that and, and event venues are a type of that. Um, so I'm just kind of curious from an event production perspective, what, you know, what a, someone who's thinking about getting into, you know, kind of pseudo event production, what do they need to be thinking about? I'm so glad you said that because there is such a need right now for event space. Um, I do a luncheon every month and my budget is, let's say $40 per person all in for lunch. I cannot find a venue and I'm talking hotels, wow, wedding venues, whatever. They want to rent you the space and then you have to bring in your caterer right? to bring in your AV and it becomes a huge, huge expense. Right. Right now are trying to make up for 2020. They also don't have enough employees to cover the cost. So they, um, they are nickeling, nickel and diming us to death. It's it's one of the hardest things, and we're finding it out nationwide with e-women. So if I were you, I would buy an empty building, an empty space that could maybe be configured into a small meeting room, a meeting me, medium size, and a large that you have tables and chairs, everything, linens, everything, and then you have vendors that you can go to that will handle the catering. Um, but you can do a package deal to where, Hey, listen, yeah, you're going to have 50 women and we can have that at our event and your budget is $40 per person. Okay. We can bring in a chicken salad. That's a $20 meal. And you might not make a lot of money every time, but it will then build and grow because it's very hard to find an event space. Your wedding spaces, my girlfriend owns, uh, 38-acre wedding venue right outside Nashville. Wow. She's building it up, and I couldn't afford her. I mean, it's too expensive. Uh, It's insane what they pay for weddings these days. Yeah, for weddings. Um, 
but it's a, it's a great investment because there are numerous networking groups that mm-hmm. need a place to meet. There are numerous nonprofits that need to have meeting space, places to have their galas, you know, whatever. Yes, they wanted a beautiful hotel and everything. Mm-hmm. But if it is really kind of an empty plate and you can make it what it you want it to be, you can do small weddings, you know? So think about it, but you have to really do that, run the numbers. Um, you have to figure out, is it going to be making money all the time? Mm-hmm. It could also be, this one of the things that I was thinking of doing in California when I lived there, but real estate was, was crazy. In California, yeah. Um, was to do a co-working space where everything was kind of on wheels and locked down when Monday through Friday, that on Saturdays and Sundays, you move all the desks and everything out of the way and it becomes a meeting space or figured to where it has larger rooms. So the people that work there could actually bring people in and do meetings, their small meetings. So you're making some sort of revenue every month on working space. You're also in the people that will probably be meeting there and having their events there. So it's a process. Yeah. Another, another way to make revenue sort of in the non-peak times. I like that. That's a really good idea. And if you have the AV, like you have a a screen, a television screen, Uh 55 inch television screen, that all I have to do is, is hook in my HDM cable to my computer and I'm hooked up and I'm done and you have a microphone that's wireless. You're good to go. Yeah. That's awesome. I think one of my biggest pet peeves is when you go to places and the darn microphone doesn't work. It's like, come on, y'all. <laughs> like, well, we're finding that restaurants are not making the money right now. Uh, people aren't going out to lunches. So I have a restaurant in a beautiful Legacy East, um, beautiful restaurant that hosts me and closes their restaurant one day a month for my luncheons. Wow. Because I make more knowing I'm going to have 50 people in the room mm-hmm. than open and hopefully you know hoping you know 10 people come in and, and have lunch and it's an odd day of the month you know it's not a big day mm-hmm. uh, weekend or a night so that's what we're having to do is go to these um restaurants and ask them but for instance i have an event uh that i'm doing with the ceo sandra yancey in may i still don't have a location because i have to seat 100 women on rounds of 10 and last year when i did it uh, I literally made $5. I did it at a hotel and the cost of the hotel versus the cost of the tickets and the income, $5. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't seem like a great uh, profit margin. No. And the time and the energy it takes to put into it. You, sure. it, you know, but it was like I had taken over the chapter. I had 30 days to get a hundred people in the room and, you know, I didn't have time to really deep down, but I've been looking for months for a place here in Dallas mm-hmm. um, is the location is good and that they'll do a, a decent um, event for me. And think that when you're negotiating, I'll do, I'll do a contract third Thursday, every month for a year, mm-hmm. you know, to make this money. And they're like, Oh no, we charge for a Caesar salad, $77. Like, really? Plus, yeah. plus, Plus tip, you know, it's like, I can't charge my women a hundred dollars to come to lunch and have a Caesar salad. So it, it really has become a, a cog in the whole thing right now. Yeah. I think uh, you're, you're triggering all sorts of thoughts, Tony. One, yeah. you know, with inflation these days, 
I don't know if that's the only space where costs are just going, you know, absolutely crazy. And, you know, I know a lot of uh, employees these days, you know, are frustrated because they're not, you know, they're not seeing pay increases that keep up with inflation. They might be getting something, which is great, but, you know, it, I think we're in for some, maybe, you know, a, a change in some tough times over the next few years, just from right. a inflationary perspective. Cause I, I mean, everybody talks about six figures, right? Six figures. Oh yeah. I want to make six figures. Well, six figures used to be a pretty decent amount of money. Like in <laughs> yeah, 1980, in 1980, six figures was a lot of money. Now yeah. six figures really isn't. I did an inflation calculator the other day, 1980 to 2023. And in order to make quote unquote six figures, same as a hundred grand in, in 1980, you'd have to make $360,000 today. Yeah, that's amazing. So, you know, if you're out there and your goal is to make six figures, step it up, increase it. Cause it's, you know, that's barely, you know, honestly, it's barely living in, in today's society with costs. I mean, with $8 eggs and it's kind of tough to say that cause we all live like Kings over here in the U S kind of, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, inflation is pretty crazy. So I'm not surprised to see you getting some crazy numbers from, from these events, but I, you know, part of, part of it, I mean, as a business owner, right? Like maybe you're going to have to ask for more money from, from the people attending, right? It might be that that's what, that's what ends up happening, right? The businesses have to raise costs. Like all these people get frustrated with these big corporations that, um, you know, need to be taxed more. Well, if you tax, if you tax the businesses more, they're just going to pass it on to the consumer. Right. So it Basic means economics. Yeah. You know? It's like, y'all, you don't understand. How the world down. Works. It's all going to come down. And the guy that's not making anything is going to be spending more money. And he's the one that's complaining about everything. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Awesome. Be eating mac and cheese. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. really, really good to know just some. So is that like the main risk of putting on events is that, you know, your, your value equation won't work out. You know, you, you got to like basically reserve this venue for a certain price and, then you got to f- make sure you sell the tickets at a certain price. And- well, an average meeting space, I would say right now, if you were going to have, let's say 200, 250 people in the room and you're doing a stage with the lights and the AV, mm-hmm. your for that whole event, uh, it's going to be around $50,000. Easy, easy. Now, if you can't get 250 people in the room and do the math and charge a ticket that $250, because right now, People are spending 97, 197, 297 is, is the average ticket prices to come. Or a lot of people are saying, just come for free. Now, if you're Pete Vargas and you're putting on an event and you have a list like he has, right. yeah, he's going to make the money. Yeah. But Joe oh, and the guy's starting out. So I always say, if you want to do an event, start small. Mm-hmm. Events, 10, 20 people, you can get... After COVID, it used to be you could not get a great speaker to speak in your room unless that room had 200, 300 people in it. Mm-hmm. Now, you get 40 people in a room. You can get some damn good speakers to come speak because people are just now getting back out and they're getting together. And we're learning that people to know, like, and trust you and to have a a, a real authentic relationship with you and to buy your things, mm-hmm. the group the larger amount of money you make. Mm. So you can like do the numbers and go, oh, I have 200 people in the room. I'm going to, I sell, my ROI is 50%. A hundred of them are going to buy my $2,000 program. Yeah, that was before COVID. 
Now people aren't just spending money willy like that. And right. you're relating to them in a room of 200. Mm-hmm. But if you have 50 people in a room and you close 25 of them and to a $3,000 program and you're walking away with $75,000, totally, it's totally worth it. So it's just, you have to know what is your end game? And I tell speakers that all the time. I just want to go on the stage and I just want to make people happy and I want joy and, and I just to share my story. Well, what's the outcome? What are you out of it? Because you're flying there, you're paying for your hotel, um, unless they're paying for you and that's the 1%, the 1% is getting paid. Um, you need to have a plan and you need to know when I walk off that stage, what do I want in my hand? Do I want a hundred emails so that I can nurture them in my campaign and they fall in love with me and I get them to a webinar and then I get them to another event or I sell them into my coaching program, whatever that is, what's the side of it? You have to like, you have to look at it, start with the end in mind. What do I want to get? And then how do I accomplish that in the best way possible? This is some really good stuff, Tony. Y'all, if you're listening, check out speakonomics.net, speakonomics.net. Some good events coming up that Tony's going to break down all of these details on the economics of speaking. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Let's pivot to you're a really polished speaker, Tony. And you know, you're talking about being able to tell your story very crisp and concisely and not rambling on for, for, you know, 10 minutes and, and not knowing where you're going. And and I could tell that you've done that a few times because the way you told your story at the beginning of this episode was, you know, very polished and, you know, it covered the bases and we knew exactly sort of where you're coming from. So, um, I noticed when I was researching you that you've done some etiquette training. And it, <laughs> the reason that stuck out to me was because my mom used to read me Emily Post etiquette books oh around goodness. the dinner table growing up. <laughs> I love her. I know. So uh, what what's so important about etiquette? What's up with that stuffy stuff that's for old timey, you know, England, what, whatever? Like, what, what, why are we worried about etiquette? Etiquette is basically good manners. And the reason I got into it, my mother was big on etiquette and table, you know, how to learn how to where your fork and your knife goes. And when you go to a dinner party, not to embarrass her, basically, at at these family functions or whatever. And so when my son was about 10, I had been the stay-at-home mom and fundraising everything. And he's bringing his friends over. And I'm thinking, man, these kids have no manners. Mm So I decided to get certified as a certified etiquette trainer. And I had, I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll help a few people. And I put out a, uh, email, you know, and I put a price to it. I just made up a price and I thought, oh, 20 people will buy it. 120 people bought it. I'm like, wow, oh, now I really have to teach. So basically what it is, is when you are networking, I want to take it to an adult level instead of the child. Yeah. You're networking. There are certain etiquette tools that you can use to make sure that you are not insulting the other person or talking over them. Like, you know, it's the old saying, God gave you two ears and uh, one mouth. That means you're supposed to hear twice as much as you speak. Mm-hmm. So know when to stop talking, to know when to listen, to know when to ask questions, to know that if someone puts their hand out, how to shake their hand, young women, do not, well, now they're better. But when I was doing, women don't have good handshakes. They're very weak. And a handshake is the first part of a negotiation. 
So when you shake someone's hand, you shake them not really hard, but it should be an equal to whatever pressure they're doing. So that way it's an equal negotiation to begin with. The guy that comes in there and shakes you really hard, you just can shake harder, you know? Put their hand on top. Yeah. Oh, and they turn it like, you know, (laughs) but it's just, it's so silly, but it's a masculine thing. But as a woman, you have to learn how to not cower back to it, how to call him on it basically and turn his hand back around, you know, and that controls the situation. That's just like step one, mm-hmm. but understanding um, how to ask questions, get to know somebody like we're doing here mm-hmm. and in a networking situation. And then in your mind, like, how can I support this person? So, you know what? I see that you need help with your social media. A friend that is amazing. And she'll just get on a phone call with you and you can talk to her. She's not going to be selling you anything. Can I connect the two of you? Oh, yeah. Be the connector in the room. Don't be the one who, oh, there's Tony again. All she does is sell to me. Every time I talk to her, she wants me to join her speaker network. You know, no, that's the last thing. You shouldn't be talking about yourself. It's all about the person. And etiquette has a lot to do with it. And when you sit down at a table, if you're sitting and someone comes up to you and introduces themselves, you stand up. And most people go, oh, men are supposed to stand for women. No, again, in a negotiation, if you're sitting and they're standing, who has the power in this conversation? The person's standing. So if you stand up, you then equal that power and you can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Also the rule of three. Um, when you walk into a networking event, you don't know anyone. And there's one person standing by themselves. Then there's two women or two men in a conversation. And then there's three people talking. Which group would you go to? Would you go one, two, or three? Um, depends. I'm I'm like weird about this one because I like to me it's kind of it almost depends on how they're standing. Okay, and I'd probably yeah, I'd probably go question. to the lone I'd probably go to the lonely one. No, that's the last one. Am I am I am I wrong? Like me, you're like me, and you're outgoing. Go the lonely one. You bring him along with you. Whatever. Yeah. But 10 to 1, the lonely person by himself is standing by themselves because they don't know how to communicate. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to meet people. So now you've made a friend and they're not going to leave your side the rest of the event. They are because you're now their best friend. They don't know anybody. So just understand that you're going to have to like, oh, I see someone I know over there and they're going to follow you because they're not comfortable. That's so, so good, Tony. <laughs> And then you get to the the two people. And if you look at their feet and if their feet are facing each other, their conversation, you do not interrupt. Right. The rule of three is you go to the three people, you make it a closed four, you close the circle. And the one thing that you do is you just kind of walk up and smile and stand there. And usually if there's more women than men, it's easier because the women will always say, and they'll just get to know you. Don't walk in and go, hey, I'm Tony. I, I don't know anybody here, but you guys look really good. You know, just be quiet. They're having a conversation and listen. And so maybe they say something and you go, I heard that too. I was very interested in that. Can you tell me more? You know, join the conversation that way. And you mm-hmm. up and it's a four. Um, it's just, it will help you negotiate the room. Now you've met three people. Now you look around the room and you see three people sitting. You go to those three. You know, it allows you to network a lot easier. It's a lot more comfortable. I love that. 
sit down and wait for people to sit down at the table. You've lost all that time meeting people throughout the room. Right. I absolutely love that. One of the things that I always try to do that I see missed so much, like, have you ever walked into a room, maybe like a meeting room and you don't know anybody and like, they almost don't even acknowledge you're there. Like they won't even look at you. And it's like, it's such a horrible feeling. So one thing I do, like if I'm sitting in the room and some new person walks in, I try to just stand up immediately, no hesitation, walk right over to them, introduce myself, shake their hand and just get the process going. And then typically like everybody else just follows suit, but it's like this awkward moment. Like, why are, why are we so weird? Why is that such an awkward moment, Tony? It is awkward. And so you have to like, you have to put on your courageous face. So before you walk in the room, make sure your body language and everything is confident. I mean, I've had people say to me, Oh, I was afraid to talk to you. You're, you're too strong. And when you walked in the room, you owned it. And I don't mean to be that way, but I'm confident about myself when I walk in. So you walk in with confidence. People kind of want to know confidence, you know, like, Oh, she's somebody to know what I would say. Cocktails are involved. Um, So when I'm networking, I'll go straight to the bar. And I'll just get a glass of wine, talk to the bartender, have a couple of sips of wine, give a wine in your hand, you're a little more casual, then walk up to somebody and say, hey, cheers, it's a beautiful night out, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, kind of, it's a little more relaxing. When it's a luncheon kind of event, then I just, you know, I find my seat, I put my stuff down, I look around. If there's someone sitting at the table, I'll introduce myself, how are you, have a conversation. I'll even say to them, why don't we get up, why don't we go meet some people, you know, but Walk around the room and just be that person who's open with a smile on their face. Know if your body language is down and your hands are clutched in front of you, you're showing like it's a negative. Mm-hmm. You know, body's up and you're open, your hands are open. Then it's like, you know, hey, I'm here to talk. And mm-hmm. I'm not a problem getting to know people in the room. Um, people want to meet you. You just have to understand that once you meet them and you say hello, your first question say, so. Um, are you a member of this group? Oh, how long have you been a member of this group? Tell me about it. I don't know much about it. Get them talking. People like to talk about themselves, about yourself. You know, it's like on a date, you ask the man all the questions and he's loving himself and he's loving talking about himself, you know, and then maybe down the line, the man, if he's smart, will go, you know what? Enough about me. Tell me about you. Mm-hmm. And then the leans in and goes, oh my God, he wants to know about me. So it's that kind of a relationship. You are literally negotiating a relationship to mm-hmm. love you, know you, and trust you. And it's old school, no like and trust crap, but it's true. And just be yourself. Don't go in as if you're somebody and don't have that. You know, a lot of people, when they're intimidated, they take on an air about themselves that I'm better than. It's a fake air about And you really find out later that they're just shy and they just were afraid to meet people and they became a person. So don't judge them, judge them immediately by how they're holding themselves. Just go up and say hello. People just, they want to get to know you. And if they like are looking around at other people and who's coming in the room and not talking to you, just go, you know, it's been really nice getting to know you. Uh, I'm going to go see this person over here and then leave the conversation. You mm-hmm. know, that's body, such good advice. Well, body language is 93% of everything we do. 7%. Oh. So hundred percent, hundred percent. You can't get the body language down. You're you've lost them already. Right. 
man, Tony, this is this is so good. Like, I'm sure the listeners listening to this, I know many of them are going, oh, I never heard that before. Oh, I never thought about that because most yeah, people have it. So. And, you know, I guess before we leave the topic, is there one thing that we haven't talked about yet, or maybe we have, that you would want to emphasize with regards to etiquette? Because to me, etiquette is it's kind of what you said. It's just considering the other person, right? It's being considerate of their feelings. You know, how do I... How do I make it so other people don't feel left out? How do, how do I include other people? How do I not gross them out by the way I'm eating? You know, to me, that's all etiquette is. Is it's just you know kindness to to other people and and being considerate. Am I way off there? And what what's one tip you would maybe leave? Well, no, you talked etiquette? about eating, and that was my biggest pet peeve. My father made a lot of noise when he ate. So if I dated a guy and he made noise when he ate, it was like, yeah, no, I, I can't. That's just that's my big pet peeve is keep your mouth shut while you're eating. So understand that you are being judged. And I want to say judged because that's what we do in this world. We judge. You're being judged on everything you do and say. So be very cognizant of the language you use, of the way you hold yourself, um, what you say to people. You might think something's funny, but you could turn off an entire table because that joke is appropriate there. So just sit back and listen, listen to what people are saying. For instance, we're doing North America's next greatest speaker contest at the Speakonomics. So we have people that are applying and one young lady applied for the Denver one. And she came on in her video and she was throwing the F-bomb around. Well, and she goes, yeah, people are gonna get mad at me, but that's just the way I talk. That's who I am. I'm not gonna censor myself. Well, on our stage, we don't allow that. I mean, cussing is not allowed. So I can't trust that she's going to go up and up and get on my stage, speak for three minutes without throwing an F-bomb here and there. <laughs> and she didn't She didn't make the cut of the 10 finalists. So yeah. understand that maybe just who you are and what you do might not be appropriate for the room you're in. So be cognizant. Of, doesn't mean you have to go off brand and be somebody you're not. Just don't go all the way in right away until people get to know you. Um, yeah, I like that. Or, you know, maybe you're okay not being in that room, right? right. And that's maybe fine not too. the right room for you. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, 100%. Not that's really, and really I love, you know, not everybody loves me and that's okay yeah. with me, you know, but I'm not going to go in and insult a bunch of people in a room because that's what I do. It'd be like Don Rickles from years ago <laughs> go in and just, you're this, you know, it's like, right. that's who I am and that's what I do. Yeah, but not in the room with a bunch of people at a at a luncheon, you know. Right. You know what helped me get over that, Tony, is I think about and I love everybody, right? But there's certain, you know, nobody likes everybody per se, right? So like you think about there's probably certain folks you know if you're listening that you wouldn't exactly dedicate all your time to or want to be around all the time, right? And you know, they do things that annoy you and like that's okay. Like imagine that individual thinking, Oh man, I can't believe Phil Swanson doesn't like me. You know, like you would be like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Like we just don't jive. So right. like, it's totally cool that other people don't like you. And I, you yeah. know, we get, we get hung up on, Oh no, these people aren't going to like me. It's like, not everyone's going to like you. Yeah. Right. And that's totally right. like, that's cool. That's good. Well, if everybody liked everybody, would we be in the world we're in today? Let's be right. honest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. it's just it's who we are as human beings. For sure. You know, you mentioned small talk. One of the biggest hangups I think for people is 
small talk. One of the tips I've kind of picked up on from some of my coaches is using uh, uh, what they call form. And so most people are like, I don't even know what to ask, or I don't know what to talk to people about. And and if, if you don't know, you can never go wrong with family, occupation, recreation. And if, you know, if you have a message or something you want to communicate right. about what you're doing, then you end with your message. So you're not like, you know, just puking your message on them in the first sentence, you know, you're, you're asking them some good questions and getting them talking about what they go on, got going on and you give them an opportunity to, to talk. And, you know, then the conversation can kind of go from there, but so, you know, some people are so paralyzed. It's like, they don't even know how to ask a few basic questions to get a conversation going. Have you run into that? And what tips would you uh, have It's, it's like find, find commonalities, you mm. know, be like my son is 22 years old and he was in the army for four years as a combat medic. And I'm talking to someone and they're like, Oh my God, my brother was a, was in the army. And what was his mm. like, did he come home? Okay. You know, my son had some issues when he got home, but he's doing great now. And, you know, whatever that is. And now you're talking about brothers and sons. It has nothing to do with business, but it's a common space. Mm -hmm. you, um, do you like to go camping? Um, what do you like to do recreational? And I have one friend, I love her. And she's like, I got a resort. I sit by a pool. I have martinis brought to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're my girl. I love that, you know. Mm -hmm. So you just ask those open-ended questions and know how to follow up with it. Just go, you can even say, you know, that's not my kind of vacation. I really have to be active. I want to be camping and in an RV and I want to be, right. I go, that's so not me, but Hey, more to you. Right. Hopefully online, I can get those cocktails served to me by my husband, <laughs> whatever it is, but just understand that you can keep the conversation going and it doesn't have to be about what you do in business that mm -hmm. will come along later. It's like any relationship. You have to figure out your commonalities and, and values because you don't you don't want to work with people who don't believe in the same things you believe in. Right. Uh, for instance, if if you met someone and empathy was not one of their values or integrity was not one of their values, and you read it in their eyes and how they talked, you're like, yeah, you're not my person because right. that's my mission and that's who I am. Um, we're just agree to disagree and move on, you know? Right to the next person yeah that's great advice absolutely great advice tony this is great you're dropping some bombs for folks i got a, a guy i follow brad lee he's got the dropping bombs podcast one of the things he <laughs> he talks about is the more hands you shake the more money you make right. and if you're nervous about networking that's okay you might you know you might not be super successful or, or maybe you will be because there's ways to do it but you know if, if you really want to step it up, step your game up and take it to the next level in whatever you're doing, getting the networking skill down is so huge. Being able to just confidently go up, shake somebody's hand, introduce yourself, create a conversation out of nothing is like an incredible skill that really you can't learn it unless you do it and practice. Right. Practice does make perfect. And just so you know, because this is another really message. I know we have to get out of here. Um, when someone comes up, like for me, and you say, oh, and I put my hand out to shake your hand, shake my hand. I'm telling you how I greet people. I get so many people go, oh, I don't shake hands. I'm a hugger. Well, I've just told you I'm not. You know, I'm a hugger. I freeze. I'm yeah. just, that's just not the way I was brought up. I yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a hugger on. either. And so when they come in, they're like, oh, 
just in the, and I literally just my body tenses and I'm like, okay, I'll get out of it. So understand that just because you're a hugger doesn't right. mean anybody else's. So if right. someone hand out, shake their hand very nicely and move on, you'll move into the hugging stage later on down the line. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've run into that at like, you know, I'm traveling for work and, you know, my wife and baby are at home and I'm like out at dinner or something. And then, you know, there's like some women I'll get introduced to that work for some company that we're with. And, you know, they're, they, you know, they're like, Oh, I'm just a hugger. It's like, oh, I just don't, I'm not going to like be hugging strange women while I'm on some work trip, but it, like, it's not <laughs> so weird. So it's like, okay, you know, you give them a little half hug, but it's just yeah. like, I don't like we're, we're on a business trip. Like right. you know, I'll shake your hand. Not uh, appropriate. Yeah. At least I don't think so. It didn't seem, I don't think so either. It doesn't seem like it. Um, but that comes from your mother's good etiquette training. Yeah. It was beat into me as a child. Yes. Figuratively and, and literally. Um, so before we go, Tony, right. this has been really fun. Y'all, if you're not following Tony, you gotta go follow Tony Caruso, T-O-N-I-C-A-R-U-S-O on LinkedIn. You can check her out at the eWomenNetwork.com. Check out the events coming up, speakonomics.net. And uh, I got to ask you the final question, Tony, which is when I started the GLE podcast, one of the really cool kind of mindset reasons I started it was I was thinking how cool it would be to hear my great-grandfather, great-grandmother having conversations with cool people you know, from when they were alive. And, you know, all I've got is like maybe a photo or like one VHS tape of them at their 90th birthday or, or something like that. So, you know, now we've got countless hours of footage of Phil talking to all these cool people and who knows who might see that future generations right. down the road. So with that in mind, thinking, you know, two, three, four, however long future generations might see this, what would you want to leave those future generations with today? Oh, the first thing that came into my mind is everyone has their own journey. Just because mom and dad want you to go one way and your heart tells you to go another way, just understand that it's your journey and you should be on it and take it to where it goes and learn as you go. Failure is one of the best things that can happen to you. So you fail upward. So each failure, you learn something. You don't and you're doing it wrong. But we're now in an era of parents that when their kids are two years old, they are putting them on a, a track to go to Stanford and Harvard and Yale. And I think that we're doing our children a disservice. And I believe that everybody has their own journey to take. Listen to what you love and what you do and go out there and make your dreams come true. I love it. Tony Caruso, everybody. Thanks for coming on, Tony. This has been a blast. Go follow Tony and uh, go follow, subscribe to GLE if you're not already. And as you go, share the show. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go.